of you found it hard to keep up with your exercise regimen. Do you sometimes find it hard to decide whether or not to go with the push through it mentality? Do you have phases where you can't seem to bring yourself to work out? Are you ever on the fence if it'll be harmful to work out with an injury? In today's episode on Root Awakening a Health Podcast, we are talking with Priscilla Willett. Priscilla is our certified strength training and nutrition coach here at Root Awakening. She also runs about half of our social media communications. Yes, she is also a phenomenal writer and a published poet. She has six books. Yes, you heard it right. Six books in the works right now. And another reason Priscilla is one of a kind in the fitness industry, because let's just be honest, she is. Another reason that she is so unique is that she mixes mental health awareness, vulnerability, and individuality in with physical fitness and nutrition. Priscilla fully believes that every single person needs their own individual strength training system. And not only that, but she believes that each individual person needs different types of workout systems depending on where they are at with their mental health, what their mood is that day, and just what lights them up in the moment. Priscilla has a really beautiful ability to just be herself at all times, even if that's different than what's quote-unquote normal in society. And because of that, she's able to set this really comfortable, accepting tone. She holds this really vulnerable, loving, non-judgmental space. And because of that, every time I talk with her, a very interesting phenomenon happens. I just start to completely relax. I let any unnecessary guards down that I built up during the week and I start to really open up and not worry so much about what the fuck is coming out of my mouth and you can see this or really hear this happen in this episode I start to kind of open up and share stuff that I might have not shared if Priscilla wasn't there and I wasn't talking with her And she does this in a really beautiful way that feels really good and right. Um, She's just a very accepting person and she holds that energetic space. So I feel really comfortable talking with her and feeling really accepted as I explain what's been going on with me. It's really interesting to hear this in the episode. And it's just because she's, she's such an accepting person and holds this space for all of her clients and athletes that she works with as well. She also has some crazy stories. She tells us about what it was like to go through prep school with kids whose parents were ex-pro athletes. She's a hockey player and she talks about what it was like to be on the team and helping to lead the team. She's coached a lot of athletes and crossed paths with a lot of people who have gone on to go to the Olympics. She just has some really amazing stories and... I was just like propped up with my tea, riveted the entire time. So you're going to love it. Enjoy. This is Root Awakening, a health podcast. My name is Emily Kosick. I am the founder and CEO of Root Awakening. And Root Awakening is a self-development community here to support you with holistic guidance on every level of health, mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional. We have a team of guides here at Root Awakening whose zones of expertise represent each level of health so you can receive true holistic support. You can follow us on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening, root is spelled R-O-O-T. Message me, say hi, ask any questions that you have. We love to hear from you so much. 
And in the last podcast episode that we posted, you may remember me mentioning that I was developing a program where you'll be able to work with multiple coaches and even a licensed therapist throughout one program to give you support on all levels of health, mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional. Welp, that program is fucking here and I'm so excited to announce it to you. The Root Awakening True Potential Program is our newest self-development program. Folks, the True Potential Program is a four-month program here to give you support on every level of holistic health. We assembled a team of four guides to help you bridge the gap between your physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional layers of health. So I created this program because I realized that this was the program I needed about two years ago. I was going through regular coaching programs, which helped me so much to learn um, just all of this different information. And I was definitely growing, but I was feeling stunted by something. My old habits were still sticking to me somehow. I was still procrastinating. I was still letting old limiting beliefs completely debilitate me. I was still super codependent in my relationships. It's like I could see my potential and regular coaching really helped me to believe my potential, but I couldn't fully trust in my potential and I couldn't live out my potential because of that. I wasn't fully trusting that I could embody this potential. So what was the missing piece? Therapeutic support. Therapeutic support was the missing piece here. I wasn't able to kick these old habits until I started doing research on the subconscious brain and implementing practices that actually reprogrammed my subconscious. So affirmations and regular meditation and even regular coaching wasn't affecting my subconscious. So I decided to create a program that revolved around working with a licensed therapist. So the heart of this program, the True Potential program, is therapy. So you can learn why you have the habits and feelings that you have. Because once we know why, we can learn the how through regular coaching. And we need the regular coaching too, because we are not just a brain, we are a whole body and a whole spiritual being. So I assembled four guides to help you with each layer of health. We have a licensed therapist that will handle the mental layer. We have a certified strength training and nutrition coach to help you handle the physical layer. We have a quantum healer to help you with the spiritual aspect. And we have an embodiment coach to help you with the embodiment practice, which is also kind of physical but in more of an emotional physical sense so embodiment really ties all the layers of health in together I'm just so proud to offer this program to you the coaching and natural health industry is really missing the therapy component I have seen the evidence of this in my own life and we are really able to bridge that gap between therapy and coaching in the true potential program So it's going to be amazing. I'm just so excited to offer this to you. So you can apply to be a part of the program today by hitting the link in our bio on Instagram. You just fill out a short form so we can ensure that you are a great fit for the program and so that we know that we can serve you in a really transformational way. So if you have any questions about the program, feel free to DM me on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening. We cannot wait to support you. Okay, let's get into this episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Root Awakening, a health podcast. We have one of our ride or dies here with us today. 
Priscilla Willett is our certified strength training and nutrition coach here at Root Awakening. She also runs probably about half of our social media communications, which brings me to the fact that she is also a phenomenal writer and a published poet. She just told me a couple minutes ago that she has six books in the works, six books. Amazing. She's a beautiful writer. Uh, and I think that's really one of the sexiest career combos, a poet and a strength trainer. I tell her that all the time. I just think it's so cool. It's like, like we're talking stereotype wise, but it's kind of at each opposite end of the spectrum stereotype wise. So I think it's such a nice mesh of skills, um, a poet and a strength trainer. Uh, it's like, yeah, opposite ends of the spectrum combined. But anyway, Priscilla is not just any strength trainer and nutrition coach, as I've already made that clear within just the past couple of minutes, but also she is a unique strength training coach and nutrition coach because she is so passionate about mixing mental health awareness with physical fitness and nutrition. So Priscilla champions vulnerability and transparency about mental health and health imbalances. She herself has battled depression and anxiety as well as autoimmune diseases. And part of her mission here on earth is to hold space for her strength training and nutrition clients to feel seen in their own mental health journey. So Priscilla takes the individual mental health and the needs and the wants of each individual client and she takes all that into consideration when she coaches them. She allows herself to be weird and funky and who she is. Therefore, she's able to create this really comfortable and accepting and supportive energy to be around, which let's be honest, folks, the fitness and natural health industry needs that so badly. I'm going to say that again, the fitness and the natural health industry needs acceptance and non-judgmental support so badly and Priscilla is paving the way for that. So Priscilla, certified strength training and nutrition coach, it's an honor to have you here. Welcome to Root Awakening a Health Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it and all of the lovely things that you said. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um I mean it and you've been a part of this team now for a while. We have a couple couple weeks under our belt together and but we've known each other for now over a year, Priscilla and I met in the online space and she was one of my health coaching clients, wanted to learn more about Ayurveda, which is what I was teaching at the time. And we worked together and had a really beautiful time together. And we had a very unique, I think, relationship because we both are pretty eccentric and like to accept our weirdness. What do yeah. you think, Priscilla? Right? Ab absolutely. <laughs> All right. So tell us about your background and journey to get to the topics that you teach about now. Okay. Um, well, I want to start off with a funny story. I think it's funny anyways. When I was like, probably like middle school age, um, I was like a straight A student. Like I was like the, like the good kid. Like I did like I did what I was like told and I was like really good at school and um my brother who's like my best friend is like he's like a year apart from me was always like the problem child like doing like degenerate stuff so my parents brought him to see a psychiatrist because they wanted him to have something wrong with him like ADHD 
they wanted him they wanted him to have a diagnosis so bad like it was hilarious and he didn't have anything there was nothing but they just brought me to test me just like because and the the lady I saw said like right away like I I have ADHD but so so off of that they told me to go to this special this is like 14 like 13 14 like early who like who isn't like all over the place at yeah. 13 but so they took me to a specialist in Boston and this lady was so weird. Like I remember this day, like, okay. So first of all, I just found out like it, like a week before that I had this like label now. Right. Mm -hmm. And now I have to go see like a specialist in Boston. And it, I felt like I was like a science, like a science lab animal. So, so it was so weird. They were like treating me like I was like a mental patient. Like it was like a 13 year old, like, like somebody like hand walked me into the building. Oh my God. I remember this, like this lady's like, like a what, weird experiment lab, whatever on children was in her basement. And she made me take a test like to see how bad my ADHD was or whatever. And she had this big fat cat and it was sitting like directly on the papers that I was filling out. <laughs> and, and like, like this thing was massive M, like a small dog fat cat. And she's like, just taking her notes and I'm trying to move the cat off the paper so I can like do the questions or whatever she's giving me. And <laughs> And at the end there, we also took a walk around the block, Ashley, which is weird as hell because like I had to be chaperoned. Like I was going to be like loose. It was so weird. But anyways, on her write up, she said, um, I seemed very unattentive because I was playing with the cat the whole time. <laughs> oh my God. One of her diagnosis of me being like extremely ADHD is that I was playing with the cat. And I was like to my parents after I was like, who wouldn't be playing with the cat? Why did this lady have a cat on the table in the middle of like me doing work? That's ridiculous. It was like, you're she was setting me up for failure. Like I was like, I think if a kid ignored the cat, that kid needs to be medicated. Mm. <laughs> so that was like when I first got put on Ritalin, I think, because I played with the cat and that made me like not good at being a human or whatever. Um, so I, that's how it started. That's how I started my mental health, like whatever at like 14, they were like, you're nuts. And I was like, I just pet a cat. I don't really get the label. But, <laughs> um, so then off of that, I went to like prep school and I didn't really take my Ritalin. I had to go to the health center in the morning. Didn't take it. It was like, when I got into prep school, it was weird. I like started to become like the badass of like, I had this like rebel like mentality now. I think it was honestly after they told me like there was something wrong with me. I was like, I think that I have to like be like, like live up to this weird, this weirdo thing now. Mm. Um, but I don't know, like prep schools when I started getting a little darker, like with the depression and stuff. Um, my family is very secretive, like we have an, we come, I come from an Irish family where 
you're not supposed to talk about anything. Like it's a stigma. Obviously it's not for all Irish families, but the stigma is like, you don't talk about any problems. You just brush them under the rug and then maybe you drink some whiskey and then everything's clear. We ignore it the next day. Um, and I have a lot of siblings and I remember my oldest sister told me a bunch of stuff like, like right around this time, like 13, 14, that I did not need to know as a 13, 14 year old about our family. And it started like this sort of spiral into like a bunch of resentment for different family members. And it was, it was weird because I didn't even know like what the truth was. I just took my sister's word for it. And it just kind of like made me go a little like off the rails. Like I was rude to these family members without telling them why I was being rude. Like I just started like getting this negative energy towards them. And um, I kind of like, like was like more withdrawn during like prep school. And like, I was very outgoing with my friends though. Like I was like, the, you know, the class clown, like life of the party, but I was like really like struggling with like depression and like, I mean, I was drinking and doing drugs like in prep school, like early. So, and prep school is weird. Like boarding school is like a bunch of rich kids. So there's a lot, it's very easy to like, like I had, I had a bunch of friends that were like parents were ex NHL athletes so like we would be doing ridiculous stuff that 14 year olds shouldn't be doing like partying at like the Bruins games like in like boxes where we'd have like unlimited access to like al alcohol or like you know just like it was just not things you would typically see like as a 14 year old but um I would just notice like I don't know like in my friends too like all my athlete friends like so the school the, the school I feel like I'm like rambling now the school I went to Cushing um was a known like factory for hockey players basically so the hockey like aspect of being there like the sports aspect was insanely like it was like really really competitive like I think the boys hockey side had like four teams where you usually just have like a JV and a varsity because there were so many um but it was hard because women's hockey at the time was such a small like circle that it, it was so competitive and it was even more competitive for the parents. Like the parents mm. were nuts, like just like, like, you know, like making fun of other kids, like, you know, their kids way better, like their kids way smarter, like all this stuff. Um, and I don't know. It was very like stressful. And like my best friend at the time, like, um, like everybody on my team that I knew was like drinking a lot and it, we were like 15. It was like not normal. Um, but like my roommate in prep school and like my best friend at the time, her dad was like, and my dad, but her dad, like they were so crazy. Like they were so crazy together. And like, she was, she was drinking like heavily, like, like she would put like vodka in like a mouthwash bottle. Like we would hide booze in like the trash, but like, I mean, she was getting like really like 
fucked up. And am I allowed to swear? Sorry. Of course, Did- please. So this brand, of course. Okay. We encourage. And like, and like that ended up being me later. So I'm not. Um, I'm just seeing like the spectrum of it is like a little. There's just there's just so much like abuse of substance so early. Like I actually remember having a conversation with like two of my like athlete, like uh, um, athlete friends, like recently, like older athletes, like in their thirties. And they were like, they were like talking about kids they coach and they were like, who, who does drugs that early? Talking about one of the kids on their team who does drugs that early? Like, they're like, we didn't even touch this stuff till like the end of college. And I was like, I did my first drug in study hall um, to study for a test when I was 14. Like, like, and they were like, okay, like you would like whatever. But like, that's just like the prep school was crazy, honestly. But prep school like taught me, I think more about mental health than like that four years than any other like part of my life like way more than college because you're 14 they basically like you're you're on your own like yeah you live in a building with other people but you're basically like they're treating you like an adult and you do not make good decisions at 14 (laughs) like you when you have that kind of like freedom um and it just the whole thing that was going on like internally, like with me and my family, and then with a combination of like, just being able to do these like rebellious bad things, it like built up. And um, it, it even like trickled over into sports. Like I would be like an asshole, like at practices, um, if I was having like a bad day and I wouldn't tell anybody like anything was going on. I would just like show up and be like, like obnoxious, you know? And the thing about that is that I see a lot coaching now is um, I had such good coaches and such bad coaches like growing up. And one of my, like the best coaches I've ever had in prep school, um, Coach K was my hockey coach. And he was very like eccentric about the way he coached, but he was like literally like a father figure to me because he would call me out on my bullshit on an absolute regular basis. And okay. So um, for background, my hockey team had like a lot of Olympians on it. Like I was playing on a line with two Olympians. Like they were very good. Okay. So there was like no room for me to be acting like an asshole. Like I needed to like, so he, he just like read me like a book. Like he was like, he would call me into like the office and he would either like read me out for whatever I was doing or like, depending on the state I was in, he would like console me or like give me a hug or like tell me like, like, what are you doing? You have all these great like qualities about you and you're just like, you're just like throwing it away because you're angry at something. And he was so like, it was so great because he was never like just mean or just like good. And like to this day, like I have so much respect for him. Um, well, I remember when I was doing bad, bad in school, um, I was just like skipping class and like, 
Um, and I was like, I was smart. I, the only classes I was doing well in were, was the ones I wanted to be at basically. But so at one point he made me get a note from every single one of my teachers every single day that said, like, I went to class and I participated and I like sat in whatever sat in the front row and he literally had a mailbox M in his, in his, uh, in his like office or like whatever room at the rink and it just said like like for will it it was like <laughs> or I like or I like couldn't skate but it like it like really it was like at first obviously I was like is this guy serious like whatever but it like genuinely like helped um I'm trying to think of like another like I don't know he okay so he was just like such a good coach and he's it's funny because he got a lot of like backlash for the way he coached like people didn't one time he kicked us all out of the locker room because we were like just horrible we were playing terrible he put us in the JV locker room like the varsity team and um another time I think he took pucks away for a week and we like played with invisible pucks Mm -hmm. so everybody thought he was like insane but it always worked like he Mm -hmm. always like he always knew like how to how to fix the situation. So I don't know. I've had coaches outside of him, like that were, have just been horrible. Like they have no, they have no like sort of receptiveness or like communication skills with kids. They're just terrible. Like they're just like those, they're just screaming or whatever. And I don't know, I guess from I think about coach K all the time when I'm coaching, because I think coaches are so important. Obviously like all coaches I'm talking about right now, I'm talking about like sports coaches. I think people overlook how important of a job coaching is because for a lot of people, like for me, coaching is like, you don't make a lot of money. It's just kind of like an extra like side thing. So I think a lot of people look at it like, it's like, Oh, I showed up like I'm here, like whatever. But I think what people don't realize is like your kids are spending so much time with these people, like these coaches, like, like more time than they're spending with their families. So, and I say the same thing to parents about picking a trainer in the gym. It's like who's training your child is like, they're teach they're teaching them things like whether you want to believe it or not like on a social level too so you really have to be careful with who you're picking because if you really think about it they're spending the majority of their time with these people and then what they go home to their parents for like a few hours then go to bed and then they go to school like so like teachers and coaches are are really like doing more parenting than the parents at some point and I I get really frustrated when I see a shitty coach because like, it's just, to me, it's like, if you don't, if you don't want to be here, then why are you coaching? I hate seeing it. Um, and for example, like when COVID hit last fall, um, was it last fall? I think it's like two falls ago now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <what> a- <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. (laughs) A year and a half ago. Yeah. A while ago. So I remember like showing up and I was already like nervous about all the new rules and like what was going on and 
how the kids were going to be able to breathe in these masks, like playing and all that. And like, so I had kind of like um, manipulated everything that I would usually do um, to incorporate like a lot of break times, a lot of, a lot of times for the kids to talk because their school was shut down. The only time they were seeing each other were, were at my practices, like mm. all the fall sport practices. Like that was the only time they were seeing each other. Otherwise they were just like on the computer. And so I like made like space for them to like catch up with each other, like do jokes, like just like little things. And then like taking more water breaks or, and, and I'm like looking at, I'm looking at the other coaches and they're just running their practices as if the world was not on fire. Like mm. nobody, like not acknowledge, like, like I remember like the first day they came, I was like asking everybody at tryouts, like the entire group, like, how's everybody feeling? Like, this is a crazy time. Like, it's okay if you feel like anxious or whatever. And, you know, like, they were very receptive to that, but then I would see a lot of the other coaches and they were just training the kids, like, as if it was a regular season. And I was like, am I the crazy person that like, I'm not like just doing it how they are. But I was like, no, like, this is insane. Like, this is a completely different game. And to expect like watching them yell at kids for like not running hard enough. I'm like, do you understand their like breathing capacity is like a negative two? Like I was just like, this is like madness, but I don't know. It's just, that's just like one example, but it's coaches, coaches like are very, are very like hit or miss. You have, and a lot of those coaches were good coaches. I think that's another issue I see a lot is like the coaches and the parents that think they're doing a good job but like have no clue that they're doing like a disastrous job. <laughs> I had a kid on my team one year, both of her parents were like psychiatrists, like, so they could prescribe medicine. They did therapy and I met them and they were lovely people, like, like really good natured people. And this girl, their daughter was, she was just like all over the place. Like she needed like like I was always giving her like extra time to like get herself together, you know, and she was on so many medications, Emily, like at like age 13, that it was crazy. Like one day she texted me and she had taken her sleeping pill instead of her Adderall before, like right before she used to have a game. So she was like, um, I don't know if you want me to come, but I like, don't think I'm going to like play good. And I was like, I'm not going to like say her name, but I was like, no, like you need to go to sleep and like just take the day off. But I'm just thinking like, that is like, that made me like so sad that like, she has these two parents that are both like, like clinical, like psychi, like psychiatry experts. And like their kid is texting me because she took the wrong medication, which I don't even think she needed to be on in the first place. I'm not a doctor. I can't say that, but she just seemed like she had a very creative like side that she liked to express. She was very like strange, like, um, but like fun. Um, and yeah, like, so I don't know. I think that that I just think that a lot of coaching is like reparenting sometimes. And 
Um, yeah, I find myself doing that a lot more than I should be doing, I think, like in reality. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, like it speaks so much. So Priscilla has adult clients that she works with on strength training and nutrition as well. And she also has kids that she coaches um, in sports teams. And all of the stuff you're saying about the kids also apply to your adult coaching, would you say, Chris? Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, it definitely applies to my adult coaching. Like, for example, I, this is like a month ago now, I had to take like two weeks off of work because I was having like insane panic attacks. Like I was like, like I couldn't even, it was every, anytime I had to be in a place where I like couldn't leave, like they were horrible. It was right after the, um, like all that stuff was going on in Afghanistan, like that whole thing. I think it like triggered it a little bit, but also like the fact that we're like in a zombie apocalypse, I think it was just like building up, but I had to take like two weeks off of work. Cause I physically, like I would be in the class and I like, couldn't, I couldn't like teach. So, um, and I think like if it had happened like a few years ago, I would have been like so embarrassed and like ashamed about it. But I'm so upfront about being a crazy person that it like I'm and it's so funny, too, because like the people that I work with are like, well, do you want me to just like say like you you had car trouble or you were sick? And I'm like, no, tell them I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> I can't come in because I'm having a panic attack. And um, and it's it's all the people I train with, like all the adults I train with in this class are so awesome, like first of all, because they have like a ton of things going on on their own end. If it's not mental, it's physical because they're, I, I work in a, I work in a physical therapy clinic. So I'm on the gym side and then the PT clients are coming to me, um, after they get like cleared, but they're not ready to lift on their own or work out on their own. It's like a guided, um, exercise program. So a lot of these people have had like major surgeries and, they, they're on their own medications. Like they know the ins and out of like how annoying the medical like field is. Um, I had a lady open up to me because I was open and said like, Hey, like I haven't been here because I can't, like I've been having panic attacks. And I can't get on my medication. It's taking me really long to get into a doctor. And, um, she was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm on blah, blah, blah. I have the worst anxiety. Like, you know, and that's something I would not have known about her. And now it's like easier to understand her in the gym. Um, like all her quirks, you know what I mean? And I mean, it's just, it's just so like, I don't know. It's just easy for me to like talk to people like when I'm being honest, because people are just so much more receptive to you. Um, like you don't obviously every person you meet, you don't have to tell them like your entire, like insane medical history background about being like crazy. But if I see somebody who's clearly struggling and like, I can help them with like what helped me, like that's like something that that's something that like really like fires me up. And a lot, a lot of these people that come in, which is like, where I want to head with what I'm talking about with like the mental and physical aspect of fitness is 
PT, I love physical therapy, but it is like very, very slow and very, very like we want to make sure we're just like doing delicate things so like they can get back. And there's a lot of liability like within that, like you have to do it this way. So then when I they get cleared from PT and come to me, who's like loud and like I'm screaming like, Whoa! like every 20 seconds in the gym, I fall like they're kind of like, what, where am I? Like, is this like, (laughs) they come into me and like, I'll give them these exercises that I know they can do. And because I have all their, I've, I, you know, I've, um, I've, why can't communicated with the physical therapist? I have their, I have their report. Like I know their injuries. And so I'll have these workouts set up for them. And they are like the, it's like the first week they're in with me. They're like, I can't do this. Like, this is like, there's no way I can do this. Like, um, like, do you know, like that I have this injury, like blah, blah. And I'm like, yep, you can do it. And like, they'll like, they'll fight you on it. And they, they're very, very timid and just, just, they're very like nervous to do any of these exercises. And then literally I'm by like the third or fourth week, like they're flipping tires that they were Mm. like, can't believe somebody like flips a tire and they're doing it and they like and it's just like this confidence thing it's a confidence thing more than anything else because they could have done it the entire time we're just building it up like um just like we're building it up as we go and like for example I have this one client that I love that if I tell him I went up in weight on when I'm setting him up he'll like freak out I'll be like I don't think like he like still to this day he's like, I don't know that I can do that. Um, and then, so I just stopped telling him I'll tell him after. So (laughs) I'll tell him after and he'll go, I I did that much weight. It didn't even feel like that or whatever. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I stopped telling you before because you get like anxious about it. And he goes, Oh my gosh, that's so smart. Like (laughs) things like that, because like, I don't know, it's just, I mean, it's really cool because I, what I love most about it, the place I train with the rehab is these people have a lot of physical ailments and they're like, just badasses. They're coming in and working. Like, I, like I have a lot of people that have had lung like transplants or like they have like really hard time breathing. Plus we have these freaking masks on because we have to, because we're a medical field, we're a medical building or whatever. And it like, it's, it's amazing to like watch them. Like, and I'm thinking of myself, if I have a sprained ankle, I am like a diva. I'm like, Oh, I can't Mm -hmm. do like, Oh, like this is like, this is the worst. Right. And like these people have like had major surgeries and they're in there, like just working their asses off because they know that just taking the pills and sitting at home, isn't going to do shit. They need to do like the entire like the entire thing, the entire package. And, and, and what I love about this group is they're all friends now. Like, it's like a group of like, they all kind of have the same, you know, like they're all got injured. They're all training really hard and they're very supportive of each other. Like when people are doing something hard, they're all cheering them on. And it's just really cool to see, or if there's like a new person in the group, they get like really excited to introduce everyone. And it's just a wicked fun class, honestly, to teach. Everyone's got the like wicked different personalities, but they're like hanging out outside of class. Like they're going to lunch. I don't know. It's really cool um, to see stuff like that. So 
I don't know. I guess like, and we do talk, we do talk about mental stuff. Every time they come in at the beginning of a session, I ask everybody how they're feeling like physically, mentally, because that's how I, I mean, I've already have the workouts like written down, but I always ask that with anybody I'm training because I might have to restructure it a little bit because I notice a lot in my field that trainers can be, and obviously I work in a very like strange, like little area of the strength and conditioning industry, like with the rehab thing. But I also train athletes. I've trained like a ton of athletes and just like regular, like adults, clients that don't have, that aren't coming off rehab or anything like that. But I always check in with them because like their tiredness level, whether they didn't sleep, whether they didn't eat, whether they're like sciatica is acting up like that all plays into like what we're doing. And I have noticed like that some trainers that I've like worked with personally or like just seen around, they cannot, they can't manipulate or adhere to like an issue. It's just this one way or it's like, they can't do it. Like it, like it it freaks them out. Like it's just this one exact rigid regimen. And then if like something happens, they're kind of just like, oh, well maybe you should just like sit out today or whatever, like not do it. And it reminds me of the podcast interview you did with Dr. Perry, because it's just like, that's such a silly way to look at, to look at healing people because there's so many different ways to do it. And you just have to like think outside the box a little bit. I have a client right now. And so this happens a lot. They're always like in and out of surgery. So I have a client right now that was super nervous that she was going to be off track because she wasn't going to be able to work out with me when she comes back off of like, um, a foot surgery. And I was like, if it, if you clear it with your doctor, we can absolutely train around like your, your injury. Like we are just going to do a lot of more seated, seated exercises. And I think that's like one of my, I'm going to brag right now. So doing it. So I think that's one of my like specialties is that it's so easy for me to, to create like a workout for somebody that has an injury or has like an issue because I've been doing it for so long and I've been doing it with myself for so long. Like when I have a bad brain day or if like my knees acting up, like it's so easy for me to restructure people's workout around their injury because it's just, I mean, I've, I've been doing it for so long, but it's just, I guess I think what it is, is I want people to feel strong regardless of if they're in a boot or whatever. And And I see it now with my clients because as soon as they get out of their surgeries, they want to get back into PT as fast as they possibly can so that they can get to my class, which is called phase four, because that's where they feel like they're like the strongest and most confident. And I think that's so awesome because like before, before, uh, Worcester PT where I work at created this gym, this sort of like now it's, I think it's becoming more popular, but this format where it was physical therapy combined with a gym, it was just like, people would stay in PT forever, like just forever and ever. And, and it would be like, 
how are these people still not getting discharged? Like there has to be like another way to get them to like the next level. And like, this was never, not my idea. This is not my brain idea. Um, so I just think it's, it was a genius idea to come up with. And I, it's, it's so like, I'm so grateful that people get to get to like, have something like that to go to, but yeah, now I'm, I think I went off on a tangent and I forgot what we were originally talking about. (laughs) I love it. Tangents are the best because you really answer so many of the questions that I had for you just in talking about what what you like about what you do and what you like about what you do is your specialty. You know, you're customizing, you're an expert at customizing workouts for people. Right. Um, so that's what you're doing in the true potential program for root awakening. You're customizing workouts for our clients that are going through and are working with our therapist, Ida and getting spiritual guidance from Ludmilla and eventually we'll be doing embodiment work to like be able to drop in their body and stay present with uh, this evolution they're making in their life. On the side of that, they get to really physically move energy with you, but it's not just a workout that you created for all of the clients. It's based on how they feel. It's based on what they're going through. It's based on where they're at, you know, you're able to customize that for them. It's, um, I just thought of something like, so I have this like supreme hatred of riding the bike because I've always had like a knee issue playing sports. And I remember like, <laughs> actually one of the best like summer, summer, like strength programs I've ever been in. And th- like, they did such a good job. Like I loved going there. I loved all the coaches, but it's this, it was the same vibe. When I had like the knee flare up, they would go, just go ride the bike. Like that was it. That was the only thing. And then in college, same thing. Um, Or like even high school, my knee would act up. The trainers would go, oh, you're just going to have to sit out and ride the bike. And then in college, like if my team was like running stairs and like my knee was like out or whatever, they'd be like, just ride the bike. So I would like be sitting there riding the bike and I'd be like, this is doing my head in. Like Mm -hmm. I've like if I have to ride a bike for one more day of my life, like I'm, I'm just going to lose my mind. And I always like remembered that. And like, so when somebody comes into me on the day where I'm expecting like a healthy person to be ready to work out, do my workout. And they're like, this is bothering me. I'm not like, Oh, please go like sit out or like go like sit on, you know what I mean? Like, cause there's so much other stuff they can be doing that isn't going to be like mind numbing. And that's how I kind of feel about like a lot of the fitness industry is like, yeah, it helps. Like if you have a trainer, because they like pump you up and like, they give you very specific stuff. But if you're, if you, if you can't afford a trainer or like some like hype man all the time, you get, it's very overwhelming to like get into exercise because you see, like, there's just an overwhelming, like, like, I'm glad we're over like the heroin chic skinny phase of like, whatever that aesthetic was. And we're into like fit people, but at the same time, it's like hard to navigate a lot because it's like on Instagram, you see like these people that like, they're spending their entire day like training and like they have these insane abs and they're eating like 
these like ridiculously like calculated scientific (laughs) meals and it's like if that if this isn't giving that person like a mental problem then I don't know what is so it's like I it's very refreshing to see people in the industry that take care of both sides of it that incorporate like both sides of it and like you can be a good trainer and not have like washboard abs (laughs) like you can be a good trainer and like not have like an excel spreadsheet of like calculated calories for foods and like obviously in some instances like people need that like if people are trying to lose weight like a specific amount of weight or they're training for something obviously like there's like exceptions but to me the fitness industry has just gotten so diluted with like like this whole like it's like a like this bullshit about like my idea is better than your idea all these like fad diets like And just like going back to, um, Dr. Perry, every single person is individual, individualized. Like nobody is like, not everyone's going to thrive on the vegan diet. Like I can attest to that. Like Mm -hmm, I've tried every single diet ever. And like, it's not like just in general, some foods don't work for people. I learned that for, from you. And it's just like, I just wish people would get more away from this cookie cutter like macros and micros and like you've got to like do the heavy lifting like it's different everybody's different and like it doesn't even you don't even have to be doing it in a gym that's like the one that gets me the most is like oh like there's so many gyms just in your face like the sign up like the the sign up bonuses for these gyms that don't give a shit about you they're just taking your money and like it's like, I remember I had a, I had a, um, membership to planet fitness when I was in New York, cause I was a bartender in college and I like worked weird hours. So it was like all it's 24 hours and I hated it. I hated it so much. I hated the setup. I hated, I, I just hated everything about it. It was like, it, it just was like, it just gave me such a bad vibe. Everybody in there looked so mad. Like they, like their mom forced them to go. Like everyone just looks like so sad. And then, and then on like the weekends, they would like give you pizza and it was the weirdest shit ever. And like, it's just, I don't know. It's just hard to find a good trainer that actually gives a shit about you and isn't just surface level telling you they give a shit about you. So like when you find one, like it's like really like finding like a gem to be honest, because, and I'm not saying a lot of these people aren't knowledgeable. It's just that they, they, they preach this like tunnel vision of a way to do things. And that's not, that's not how it needs to be done. Even when they're training like teams or, or athletes, like um, obviously like if you're like younger athletes, high school athletes, you're supposed to be like on all the time. And I don't agree with that either. Um, I'm not soft when I'm training. Like if my kids, if I know my kids can do better and they're acting up, like I, I can turn into like a psycho demon, like, mm-hmm. but 
I also can recognize when they're fatigued mentally or like physically. And I'm not, I'm not one of these people that's like push through the pain. Like, no, I'm that I've had so many coaches like doing that. It's like, I've, I've skated in hockey games when I've got, when my ankles like bleeding and I needed stitches because like the, they were, the trainers were like, Oh, you'll be fine. Like, so, you know what I mean? Like, and I was, but it's like, just, I finished a hockey game with a broken, with a broken wrist. One, one, one game when I was like 14, my dad, my dad was like, Oh, I don't think it's broken. I was like, sir, I literally cannot bend that. Like, <laughs> he was like, just finish the game. Just finish the game. Mm. A boys hockey, like checking league. We get to the hospital after they're like, yeah, your wrist is definitely broken. So like, what was I doing on the ice? Just like one, like how useful was I? Do you know what I mean? I've seen a coach in college put in, then this is like embarrassing is like put in a girl who her arm was in a sling. She's playing with like one arm. Oh my God. Yeah, She's like, and she's sick. She's got like some kind of like, like, and like she's she's a great hockey player amazing hockey player okay but and I was I I think I was the captain at this time and I said to him I went into his office and I said first of all for people who don't know in college hockey you have seven scratches which means there's seven people at all times that like don't suit up I mean it couldn't it might not be seven but it's like a number like that and then there's also like top three lines and then there might be a fourth and fifth line dress that don't play that much on the bench. Right. So it's like the top three lines. So he suits up this girl who's very good. Um, she didn't want to play. She told him, she said, I don't feel good. I don't want to play. Like, I don't think he said like, we're still going to do it. So she plays. Um, so, so he's playing a girl whose arm is basically like useless. So she's playing like with one arm and she like has like a respiratory thing going on. Like she's got like it's flu season or whatever. And I said to him, I go into his office after the game and I said, do you understand how ridiculous you look as a coach that, and how like disrespectful it is to all your like other players that you played somebody who said she did not want to play and basically played with one arm and was sick. Like, like all of the, I'm, I'm not complaining about her at all. Like all the power to her for doing that. Okay. But I said, do you understand how disrespectful that is to the rest of your players that are completely healthy, that you thought that this player who was injured and sick was still a better option than like 10 other people? Like, I was like, I was so irritated about that. I got into a lot of those with him in college. Um, Great guy, terrible coach, (laughs) terrible coach, just like. He would, he would do these things where he would over, he would overplay like our best players and he would like double shift them. And then like, she was uh, this one specific girl who went on to play professional hockey. It's like one of like my good friends, like he would sometimes even like triple shift or he put her like just in continuously in and out and then get so upset when she was exhausted. Like she couldn't finish anything because she couldn't finish like the shots or anything because she was literally playing seven people like in a game. And then to make matters worse, we would get to a practice day where everyone's supposed to be like doing an on ice practice or something. And she would be sitting in the training room 
on the bike and I'd be like, hey, what's up? Not going to say the names. Mm-hmm. Everybody who, any of my friends who listen to this are going to be like, I know exactly who that is. <laughs> but like we'd have our goal, our our star goalie, which we had three star goalies. So, or four, three or four, all our goalies were good. Okay. So he'd have his star goalie and his star forward sitting in the training room while everyone else is practicing. And I would go, are you, what's up? Are you guys injured? And you know what they would say to me? No coaches coach wants us to save our energy for the game. Are you shitting me? Like, like, uh, am I used to lose it on him? I think one time we didn't talk for like a month because we used to have like a meet. And then like, this is my hockey coach and I'm the cat. I'm one of the captains and everybody was like, you ha- you can't just not talk to him. Like my assistant coach was like, you can't just not talk to him. And I was like, I was like, he calls me in for a meeting after every practice, every game, we do these captains meetings with coach and every single thing I say, he disregards. So I, I'm done wasting a half an hour to hour of my time for him to do the exact same thing. Don't ask me for my advice. If you're not going to take it, we're just wasting time here. Um, so like that would really frustrate me. Things like that really frustrate me. I find that that even brings down like the team chemistry, like how, what is that doing to people's psyches that you're, you're saving your best players. So what are we practicing for? Are we not playing then? Like, or like, it's just, that stuff grosses me out um there's a lot of stuff that grosses me out in coaching uh it's just it's crazy um there's there's a lot of that whole thing about play through your injuries like blah 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 like that's you see that at top level in athletes too top level sports because everybody's a throwaway like from being in the gym with like so many professional athletes, like, and one of my like best friends who used to play um, two of them actually that played like professionally, like baseball and football, they would have to spend like eight hours of their day in the gym, like training, because if they're not doing that, if they're not maintaining their body, like there's a replacement, like just like that, like everyone's just a throwaway. And like, so that's where like the mental health thing comes in really hard in athletics, especially at the professional level. You're, yeah, these people are talking about it more like blah, blah, blah. But a lot of people, obviously like the top players have a better advantage on like Michael Phelps talking about it because he is a high level athlete, but it's like, you saw it in the gymnastics scandal with the doctor, the, the rapey pedophile doctor. Oh, do you know what I'm talking about? The Olympic. No. So all like on the Olympic team, their trainer was like molesting girls for like 10 years and nobody said anything about it because they didn't want to lose their Olympic spot. Like, like this type of mentality where like, that's obviously an, like a, like a complete mental, emotional thing, but not until the top, like Olympians, the top in the world came out about it, did like the hundreds of others come out. And that to me is so sad that they had to like put their mental health on the back burner because they were afraid of losing this incredible like opportunity to perform at this like elite level. And the fact that they're performing at such an elite level with that kind of trauma is insane. Mm. 
So recently around here, like in the Boston area, this um, ex-Bruin um, just passed away. And they, when I was reading the article, he was like a picturesque family. He like just retired, he's like 32. Um, like, like everybody from around the area who played hockey with him, like loved him, would speak so highly of him. And right when it came out, it, it, it was one of those things where it says, oh, the cause of death is not yet determined, which is always like something like not good, right? So um, like it later came out, it didn't come out because usually people won't say, the families don't wanna say what actually happened. But this particular guy's family came out and said he was using drugs. He had an issue with drugs um, because of his mental health. He was like very depressed and he was using drugs and he, he did too much. And it ultimately led to like his body failed. But he was doing this behind closed doors. And like his family was like, we thought he had had it under control because he was so good at hiding it. Um, and like, that is like such a big stigma in professional athletes is like, he, nobody in it, his wife didn't know, like, he, like you, you saw pictures of him at like a birthday party for his kid, like the day before that now it's getting easier to talk about it. But like, when I came up in sports, like you, you don't talk about anything that's wrong with you. You play unless your arms falling off, like you don't. And it's just like in this ingrained thing. And so to see his family come out and say, hey, he was struggling and we don't want this to happen to anybody else is so huge because that's such a personal thing that they did not have to like say to anybody, but they want to advocate for other athletes to say like, if you're struggling with this, it's not shameful. Like, like this needs to be more like open in the NHL circle and like stuff like that. And I think just people that they could have not said that or said that. And it, and it, it makes like a world of difference, like an absolute world of difference. Um, so it's just crazy. Like that you think that to appear perfect is the goal when realistically, like that one person that has like the courage to say like, this is what I went through can like make just like this insane difference for so many people. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's what I'm the most like passionate about is just like ripping off this stupid, like the stupid like facade bandaid of everybody has to be like, like you have to tell people like you're good or it's awkward like no like if I'm having a bad day I'm gonna tell you I'm having a bad day still gonna do my best but like do your feel your emotions like the reason people like are using these drugs and and doing all this stuff is because in sports and out of sports is because they want to appear normal and this is what they're using to cope to like feel normal and I just feel like the fitness aspect of mental health is it can be so, so, so helpful because it, I, it's just 
I can't really even explain it. I used to hate working out, for example. Like I hated it in college and high school when they made us do like teen lifts. I was like, oh my God, like this is physical torture. I just want to go drink in my room. Um, <laughs> like awful. And not until I was like out of like school did I like get into it because I wasn't playing sports anymore. And like that now I needed like an outlet. And it just it's just like such a good, healthy way to release so much of these like toxic things that are going on in your brain. Um, if you do it in the right way, if you don't recognize that there is a mental health, like it's a package deal. If you're only doing the physical, you're, you might look at aesthetically, but you're, you're missing a huge piece. Like I always say this to people, they'll see old pictures of me when I was like on Adderall and like working out like 48 times an hour. And they're like, oh my God, you were like so like lean and like muscular there or like whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's like my lowest point, like probably because I was just like over-exercising. And it's so funny that people think like, the the fitter you are like the more healthy you are mentally and sometimes it's true but from my experience a lot of the time the fitter you are the more mental shit you're dealing with and it's like this weird coping mechanism so there needs to be like a middle ground on that I had a like one of the girls I played hockey with in prep school greatest athlete like one like the greatest athletes I've ever seen at every sport honestly but like went on to be an Olympian she went through a phase where she and this was in that weird kind of like era where everybody wanted to be skinny too do you remember that era of like high school oh yeah of course <laughs> people were doing, like slim fast and shit on my hockey team like yeah I just of- wasn't eating for like yeah. a decade yeah yeah so like I, we had girls on my hockey team like ch- they had, had like their fridges and their rooms were filled with slim fast. And it's like, we're training, we're athletes like training all day. And like, she's just drinking a fucking slim fast. I would drink like three of them and then go eat at the dining hall, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, it was like, so, so it was such a sick thing to see. And then like, I had another teammate that who, who knew, recognized she had an issue with this, thankfully. And like her mom said something to her, I believe, but she used to like, and she admitted, she admitted this to people and told us, which was awesome. Like that she, this happened to her and like, she went through it. She used to be so obsessed with working out and like burning off the calories she ate that like, if she ate like, and like eating health and this is in high school, Emily, like we're young, like mm-hmm. this isn't like, um, she would she would do like push-ups to burn off if she ate like a cookie, like obsessively, like right after. And like, that's a form of like an eating disorder. Like that's, uh, what is that? Ortho, what is it? Orthorexia or whatever, but. Orthorexia, yeah. Any kind of behavior that isn't healthy for your body that you're obsessing about to look a certain way. Yeah. Or, or have some sort of control over something is an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. That's not coming from like a dictionary uh, definition. That's my right. definition. But really, I mean, I was still eating once a day. Yeah. Right. Some people like 
I genuinely believe some people and like whatever intermittent fasting, some people are like, yeah, I just feel really good on one big meal a day, blah, blah, blah. No, I was still eating just once a day and I was eating every day, but I was doing it because I wanted to lose weight and I wanted to look a certain way. That is an eating disorder. And my mental health was so fucked. And I look at myself back in that in that time. And I was like, Oh God, cause I could just see it. I can see it in my eyes. I know how to read people's eyes. Now I can see that there was so much hurt there, but a lot of people would say, Oh, you look, you look so great or whatever. You look like this and this. I was also caked in makeup. Yeah. But I would, I would look back at that time and be like, I was so miserable. And I didn't think that I could call it an eating disorder because I was like, well, I was still eating. I didn't have to be hospitalized. It's a right. fucking eating disorder. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, um, no, like it's stuff like that, that like, at least she was like able to recognize, recognize that and, um, you know, like get on top of that. But I mean, there's so many examples of that, like just in sports in general, like growing up. Um, and it's like, yeah, I even see it when I'm coaching, like, which is like so terrifying, like the body image aspect of like going through puberty when you're like 14, these kids, like, like they see like one girl's body who hasn't even attempted puberty and she's like a little rail. And then there's another girl who's like got some baby fat and they're like comparing each other. And it's, it's just like, it's tough. And it's like, like people just need to explain to the kids more, um, that it's okay to like talk about stuff like this, like, or like my soccer team where I coach is like one of my favorite teams because they're, they're all over the place. This, the, these kids are like so creative. They're really good at soccer, but like, they're all, they're kind of like all like little mini versions of me. Like they're like just very chaotic. So I remember I've told you about this before, but I had this one practice where I mean, I've had a million of these practices, but this one specific one, these kids were an absolute disaster. Like, like nobody could hit anything, passing, shooting. Like I was like, did you, and this was like before COVID, this was like, they just came off a school day. Right. So like, like, I mean, I'm not saying school in general is just not stressful, but this was like a while ago. And I was like, I brought everybody in. I was like, are you guys good? Like what's going on? Like, like, no, it was, I was like, nobody's like even here at the practice. And, uh, and like, somebody was like, Oh, like I had a really bad day at school today, like blah, blah, blah. And then like, from there, it like just started like, like trickling down and, and somebody else was like, Oh yeah. Like said something funny that happened, but like, it was like not great or whatever. And I was like, all right, listen, everybody's going to sit down and we're going to go in a circle and everyone's going to talk about their problems for the day. And then we're going to go back to practice. All right. So everybody sits down and like, we've got kids saying like, (laughs) it was ridiculous. We got kids like with boy problems. We got 13 year olds with boy problems. We got like 17 year olds, like with whatever. And and like we're going through and some of them are funny like one kid's like oh I spilled soup in the cafeteria and like everybody laughed at me but now I'm hungry like something like that and then then 
we've got like kids coming out of the woodwork with like childhood traumas and like, but everybody's being respectful and receptive about it. Like, like, and everyone had something to say and it was cool. Mm. And everybody like offered each kid like feedback. And then afterwards I was like, okay, are we ready to play soccer? And they were like, yeah, we feel so much better. But it's like, oh my God, like, do you know how many times if somebody had just asked me as a athlete when I showed up to the soccer field, like an absolute demon from hell, like satanic. (laughs) I don't think I can say that on here. Maybe cut that out. But um, like, if they were just like, hey, what is your problem? Like, did something happen? Like, why are you, you're bringing the entire team down instead of just like, like disregarding me and kind of just being like, oh like she'll get out of it or like this is how she always is so now when I see that in like my athletes it's like when I see a kid that's acting up especially I think I'm very intuitive with kids especially in sports when I see a kid that's like sometimes not even acting up sometimes it's like they're withdrawn or they're acting like the class like clown they they have to be like the funniest person in the room which was like my go-to it still is (laughs) (laughs) It's like, or they're just being a dick. Like they're just being rude. They're a bully, you know? I never like, I don't call them out like or embarrass them or anything. I usually like take them aside after practice and I'm like, hey, like what, like what, did something happen at school or like at home? Like, like you really didn't seem like yourself today. Um, Like you can't, you can't be rude to like your teammates or whatever. Like I hate, I always hated when coaches would like embarrass you in front of everybody. So I I hate doing that. I like having a conversation with them, like aside and, and usually obviously like not all the time, but like I had a one girl that was like really hard to crack and she would kind of just be like, she didn't say it, but she would just be like, yeah, I'm fine. Like F you like whatever. And then by like the next season, she was coming to me with like, her problems Mm. because I gave her like the space to do that instead of just being like you know what I mean like I would be I would just be like if you're gonna act like that you're not gonna play or like if you want to come talk about it you can come talk about it like and I just feel like if more people did that especially coaches and I know that it's like not in our pay grade or whatever but it's like you're spending so much time with these kids and you're molding them so much And you need to like really take that into account as a trainer, as a coach, that these kids are like sponges, like they're learning from you and what you're saying like affects them. So you can't just like, you can't just like half ass it because you're affecting like future generations of like the world. And I just, I don't know. I just. I think I'm like the most passionate about it because I wish somebody had told any of this to me when I was a little kid. And I think that's why I'm so protective of kids is because like, I wish that I had had someone to say these things and do these things for me because it would have like, I just needed someone to say like, Hey, you're not like abnormal. Like these are normal feelings to have. And like I come from a family that really doesn't like believe in mental illness. So 
I mean, I brought it up a lot. As you can see, I'm a pretty like vocal, open person. Like I've, I've been like this since I was like a kid. And every time I would bring it up, it was just kind of like, uh, like, do we really have to talk about this now? Mm-hmm. Like, I think you're just having a bad day. And it kind of like still is like that. So that's why it's nice to find outside outlets like you, for example, or like like-minded people. And I'm not knocking my family. That's a generational thing that they learned from their parents and blah, blah, blah. But I'm, that's not what I'm about. I'm the, I'm the annoying one in the family. That's like, let's talk about our feelings. (laughs) And, um, sometimes they do. And sometimes they're like, I want to punch you in the face, but I'm still, still working on them. But, um, I, yeah, like, I just wish that like, when I was like a kid, like anybody had told me like any of these things, like when I like first felt like depression and like told somebody, told an adult about it, they weren't just like, oh, like everybody gets sad, you know, like, I'm like, uh, I'm like, I, this doesn't feel normal. But then like, when somebody says that to you, you're like, oh, maybe everybody feels like this. And like, I don't know, like, I just feel like in 31 years, I've collected so much information the same way you have through everything you've gone through that like it's just like I want to give people a cheat sheet basically because I wish somebody gave it to me because it is a shitload of work to do I'll tell you what and I know you know that but it's exhausting and it continues to be exhausting like it's not you don't just like learn it and then you're good like you have to actively keep doing it and I just wish that definitely as an athlete but like just as a human being that somebody told me all these things that I know now and like when I'm talking to people like like that struggle with like depression or anxiety or whatever it is like even like people always think it's funny when I'm training like little kids in the gym they're like oh you're so good with like little kids like I could never train a little kid and it's because I understand like their brains like like I've trained I've trained kids with like autism down syndrome ADHD like whatever like anxiety like kids that aren't like very good socially and it's because I understand like how their brains work and they're not abnormal they're just they're just like they're just like being authentically themselves mm-hmm. um, and so I always like that they've always been really easy for me to work with um whereas like other trainers want that like that like pro like prodigy athlete that's like you know but they're not really doing any work are they like they're not really if you have a kid that's already like at that level like I mean you're not really doing much except like getting the credit for it really <laughs> but um I don't know I think it's easy to work with kids and like kids with I mean, everybody's got something wrong with them. So it's like weird for me to say like to have like issues because I mean, everyone has issues, but like, I just, I don't know. I, I, I went through this like phase, like right out, out of college where, and even like a little bit in where I could just see a person and be like, that person knows some stuff that everybody else knows and it might have been like a younger kid or something and I could tell they felt so lost because I it would be like a mirror I would see a kid or like whoever and I would be like even like just making friends like I would see a person I'd be like I want to talk to that person because 
I can tell like they look so lost and they have the same brain as me. Like I could just pick them out. It was so weird. And I ended up like doing that a lot with athletes at the gym. I remember this one kid came back like freshman year of um, college in Florida and like we're up in Massachusetts. He was very homesick. He's very close to this family, big family. And uh, he was so depressed. And um, I remember his brother was like, um, do you think you can talk to his older brother? He was like, will you talk to him? Um, and, uh, cause he's kind of like one of those tough kids, you know, and I talked to him and he was upset, like he, about a breakup with his girlfriend and like going to the school and he was just having like a really hard time and all this stuff. And like, we talked through it and he was like, so like, like grateful just for the conversation and like, for somebody to like be like relating to him and listening or whatever and the best part of talking to him which makes me makes me insanely happy to this day is his dad which is even more important works in professional sports he's like a I think he's a he's a baseball a manager for like a baseball team so the fact that he said this to his son made me so happy and I like I wanted to like give him a hug for it is he told his son um if he kept feeling this way that he needed to get through they were going to pull him out of school so he could come back home and talk to a therapist and get back on track and I was like oh like that like got like that like because first of all it's a dad and it's a dad that's like has a kid that I mean this kid ended up getting drafted he's a professional athlete now so he here's a dad that obviously wants his kid to be like a great athlete and he was like we're gonna pull you out of your if we need to we're gonna pull you out of this semester bring you home get you where you need to be like mentally and then you'll go back and I was like oh my god I was like where are these parents we need more of them and the fact that he's in professional sports makes me so happy because it's like God, like we need so many more of you. And I remember like, like later that night or whatever, his older brother had texted me and was like, thank you so much for talking to him. Like that, like really helped like blah, blah, blah. And like, just like little things like that make me so, make me feel so like fulfilled, but like also like, it's just, it makes me so happy that the brothers advocating for the other brother and the dads advocating for the sons like that, like, ugh, like I like that kind of stuff, like fires me up, especially at like a high level like that, um, where the mentality is just like, suck it up, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, but yeah, I'm a, now I'm, I'm off again on my tan. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it all. It's, it's important stuff for us to hear. Um, I agree. And this is why you're so special at what you do, because you can see that in people. There's not a, okay, well, let's get you motivated. Like my whole theme over the past couple of months has been, it doesn't work. You can't push it for, for a lot of people. It doesn't work. I could not push myself to be more motivated. I couldn't push myself to be proactive. I couldn't push myself to, uh, get out this offer and keep coaching. If it didn't feel good to coach at a certain point, I couldn't, I couldn't push myself. It was two options. I could push myself and do it and be 
have anxiety and be an anxious wreck and not want to get out of bed every day, or I could not do it and figure out why I didn't want to do it. And, um, so we can't, we, we can push and we can have horrible anxiety, crippling anxiety, or we can not push and figure out why don't I want to take action on this. And often it has to do with something mental health related, uh, and it's, or fear-based. Okay. Why is it fear-based? Well, like for me, for example, fear of success. Okay. Why do I have fear of success? Because I feel like if I succeed in multiple areas of my life, what does that mean in my family? Are they going to get upset with me? Or do I think that I'm not that great where I could succeed and not fail? So I'll probably succeed, but then I'll fail and I'll make a really big failure. And then it'll be really embarrassing. That all dials back to mental health. That's all mental health stuff that needs to be worked on. Um, and you can see people like that and you understand the holistic experience of physical training. It's not just to be impressive and strong. There are all different sides of this. And, um, it's also, like you said, an outlet for mental health and the process can be so much more therapeutic than it, than it's often represented. You say that a lot. I've, I learned that statement from you and you're, you're helping to bring that to the world. So before we close here, what I actually want to do instead of, uh, like we're going to, go over some, I don't know, some other questions, but what, what I want to do now, which I think could give everyone an example is, um, like I have, I have a, I have a sample question for you of, of maybe what, what could be done in a certain scenario with individual needs. So over the past couple months, like I said, I've been going through, a tough experience because I realized that coaching, which I thought was like my life purpose, wasn't feeling good for me. As in, I was having a hard time connecting with my clients. It was feeling kind of like I had to push to show up. And it was feeling like this isn't quite right because they're amazing people. So what's going on here? And um, that, and I had some emotional abuse related to my family flare back up again. So I have to be like, okay, here are the boundaries again. Um, I can't, you know, you go through a process of, was that my fault that they did that? Why am I still in this relationship with this family member? If they're treating me like that, you know, you go through this whole, like blaming yourself, blaming them, whatever. Yep. And, uh, so I was going through all these changes in my business and the personal stuff came in. I had to take a, a very close family member. I kind of almost cut it. Like they're like almost cut off, not quite there. I have a very specific boundary. Um, so they're, they're almost out of my life, but that really affected me as well. So I was going through, I have been, I'm kind of getting out of it, but I was going through a time where I just felt like paralyzed. Mm-hmm. This is literally over the past couple months. Yeah. And I've been semi-open about it in social media, but I would just like be crying so much and like lying in bed and like, I don't like literally don't know what to do right now. It doesn't seem like things are going very well. And I know that that's part of the process. You know, it feels like your world is falling apart, but it's kind of, you know, you're stepping into a new version of yourself. But in the moment, it's hard to just be like, oh, I'm stepping into a new version of myself. It's like everything's horrible. And what do we do here? Yeah. So throughout that process and that so then it was 
feeling some depression and then maybe some anxiety that was disguised as like feelings paralyzed. Right. It's not like my heart was beating fast or anything, but I just felt like I couldn't move. Right. Um, and there was some, some days where I just had to like curl up in bed and be like, just completely silent. Like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. So for a client like this, I wanted to work out because it feels good. I like feeling strong. I like feeling physically strong. I like, you know, most people here know I'm like a borderline doomsday prepper. I like to be physically prepared. If anything goes down in society, I want to be able to literally physically carry things. And I think that us just trying for me, just trying to get by on like, yeah, I don't really need to work out because I'm a normal weight because I take care of my body, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't really mean shit if if something goes down and I have to carry a lot of stuff. Okay. That's one example too. Uh, I, I, I understand how important physical exercise is for energy movement in the body from a spiritual perspective. I feel like I feel so energetically cleansed when I exercise. I love it, but I don't, I'm not someone that likes to exercise every day. I don't know if that will change, but I'm not, I noticed that when I was exercising every day, hardcore, it was, it was more for a physical appearance thing. It's not something that I did if I didn't have a date coming up or something like that. So I noticed my relationship to that. Do you have any suggestions for someone like me who's going through this, who wants to work out, but is feeling this like the depression and having some anxiety and feeling really unmotivated, like fuck my life right now. Well, it's funny because you actually already solved it and you, maybe you just haven't acknowledged it. Um, When I'm, I've been talking recently about this with a lot of people with like depression and like bipolar where where they're always feeling or pretty frequently feeling that feeling you just described of like that paralyzed feeling of being bad. And I get that all the time too. And I don't work out on days that I feel like that because first of all, it's unhealthy to not work out, but like to lift weights. Like I'm not going to go to the gym and lift weights when I feel like a like blob of like just junk. So what I've been telling a lot of people that have these like kind of like psychosis, like, um, disorders or like, like illnesses is to literally go for a 10 minute walk outside. And like, usually it'll make you go farther than that, but just being outside for like 10 minutes, if you can just force yourself out can be like the whole change you need in your day. But on your exact thing, and you already solved your problem. And it's like what I, what you've already done, what I want to do with clients is you found a modality that works for you. You, you go hiking, you're in the woods. You just did a solo camp um, where you <laughs> hiked like a treacherous ass path, what two miles up, you said two miles up. Then you, then you like mindfully realized you weren't going to have enough firewood, dry firewood. So you hiked your ass back down the friggin' um, mountain to go back to your car to get the wood. Um, that's exercise. I don't, this is where I'm trying to get with people is exercise isn't in the gym or it's not, it's not always just like jumping jacks being in the woods, walking in the woods, running in the woods, camping, every, all of that is a form of physical fitness that, and that especially is like, uh, like that one's obviously a healing modality. Like, um, 
my friend Brian that you know um, and have gone camping with, he is a trainer in New York City and he gets so restless because it's New York City. <laughs> like, you know, you've lived there too. Um, and it can get very tedious and like overwhelming to be in a city. Um, so he and um, my other friend Jimmy go camping all the time to like get that like adrenaline exercise feeling um, that you can't get like in a commercial gym. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, so you already answered your own question, whether you know it or not, you found a modality that works for you. Um, and these things change all the time. It's not like you're going to be doing this all the time. Like you're going to flip flop around. Um, but like that going in the woods and hiking is that is a form of exercise. And I think this is what I'm trying to like really get across is like when people think fitness, it's not, it doesn't just have to be the gym. It could be kayaking. It could be like, there's just so many different forms, like climbing up, you can go climb a tree and that's exercising. Like just like playing with your dog, playing with your animals, playing with your kids. Like, like there's just swimming, like, oh, like there's just like being in a body of water. Geez. Like that's such a good one. Um, like, but literally it's just so funny that you set that up as a question because this is like, I get this a lot with people, like they know what they need subconsciously and they don't even know that that's the one that's going to be the one for them. But like you figured out one that you're loving right now and it's being outside. So I think that's pretty dope. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. That's so fucking cool. It makes me emotional, you know, because yeah, we, we, when our souls know something, they really know it. But when we're in difficult periods of time, it's really easy to get down on ourselves and be like, why can't I do this thing that I was making myself do before that I didn't even like in the first right. place? No, I love, I was doing like military exercises and I, those really pumped me up. I do, I do like them, but I didn't want to do them uh, this month, this past month. And yeah, we can let ourselves just be and do what feels good. And it's so important that we have trainers like you to, to encourage us with that. And that's what Priscilla is bringing to the true potential program. She's not, we're not, we are not a space that forces and that doesn't allow people to be individuals. We are only individuals here. And Priscilla, like, I don't, I know, like, she's just one of the first people that come to mind when I think about supporting others and individuality and making other, everyone feel like a human being. And we need that. We need that in the world. Um, Brian Torres, who Priscilla mentioned also had a podcast episode on here. It was episode 28. I just looked that up. Uh, so check it out. It's a good one with him. They make such a pair. Brian and Priscilla make such a pair. Priscilla introduced me to Brian and yeah, they're awesome. Um, so last question here before we wrap up, Pris. Question that I ask all the guests, which you probably know now by now. Um, what is the root of health in your mind? What is the root, the baseline common denominator of health? Honestly. And I mean, I've been saying this to everyone on the team, but I've actually been saying this to my friends too, because they, they like know. So like, I have like, if some of my best friends are nurses and like, uh, like coaches, like, um, sorry, sports coaches. And then 
I have a friend that is like a school counselor and like, um, I've been telling them about this program and I'm like, it's so weird because like, this is like the exact like dream I've had that people would understand in the fitness industry. And Emily just like literally created it. And it's like bringing all of like, it, it feels like it's bringing like everybody, like the, like, like the, the nursing, like, you know, like the nursing aspect, obviously. And like the, like my friend who's like a clinical like psychologist, my friend that's a, like a hockey coach, like, and it's just, it's all of it. That's what I think it is. It's all of it. It's not one thing or the other. It's exactly what you created. And it's so cool. It's like this, the spiritual aspect and like the deep diving brain, like aspect that Ida is like bringing in. And then like the physical fitness and then something I'm actually horrendous at, which I think a lot of people are, but the embodiment that you put in at the end with Nikita, which is like, so I just think that's like wicked important because a lot of people like struggle with that. Like, at least like a lot of my friends, like, um, it's, it's weird. It's hard to, even though you're in your own body, like all the time, it's weird to, like love it like sometimes it's really hard so just like the fact that like blood I don't know just like the whole thing like like the whole like encompassing thing of like blood mellow like reading the energy and then like it it's just crazy because I feel like I've been saying this for so long and I've never found it anywhere. It's like, I'll find a trainer I like, but they only have like this thing. And then I find a tra- like somebody else that I like. And it's like, nobody's combining them. Like I'll go to a therapist and they don't say anything about fitness or spirituality. It's just like very strict, like what's your family trauma. And like, it's so cool that you put it all together. And I think that's, like what health is like it's not just eating healthy it's not sometimes it's not eating healthy (laughs) like it's not just doing a workout like you said like I don't like it's it's knowing your body well enough to to figure out what it needs at that time it's not I don't exercise every day some days like I wake up and my body's like if you exercise today I am gonna knock you down a hill like that's it that's you're going down like like and if I don't exercise like that that that's not healthy to exercise when you know your body's telling you not to exercise um and like just it's just being able to figure your body and your brain out I think that's what health is like you specifically not how you said how you've done all these coaching programs not just like mimicking another coach which I see consistently in the strength and training strength and conditioning I thought I said conditioning for a second conditioning industry is like these little trainers they're like 22 they come out of college and then they just like follow the trainer they're leading off of and then they're just like little mini me's like it's figuring out your own your own personal like like body and mind like as a whole like no like nobody's gonna have like the same no one's going to have the same structure of how they like to like feel good and like calm and like just like encompassed in everything. It's, it's, it's really personalized. And I think that these four components that you put together are like, are genius really. Like, 
to not to hype you up because I do it like every 25 seconds but like when I was I was telling like um one of my friends the other day like this is literally the coolest thing ever because this is what I've been trying to figure out how to do for so long and she was like she was like press this is literally like your dream and I was like dude I know and she was like she's one of the ones that's like obsessed with all your stuff now um and I'm like dude I'm telling you Emily is a genius and look at and 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 that's the thing is like you the thing about you stepping down from coaching is like you'll definitely coach again, but you knew this is what you needed to do now. And I think that's another thing that's hard for people is like, you can be all these different things. And like, people think it's weird how my jobs are set up. Like I have like, a like, I don't have a career. I do like a bunch of different jobs. Like, and I like that because I don't feel like I'm like, burnt out or I just have different things to jump to. And that's what I like about your program is because it's not like just this one way of doing things. It's like a whole embodiment. And that's what I think health is. It's like finding the aspects you like that you're drawn to and like, just, just finding an individualized way to like feel good about yourself. That was a really long answer. I'm so sorry. I have the worst rambles. (laughs) No, I but, love it. I love ramble. And I'm noticing now with this podcast, every time someone's like, oh, sorry, I went out a hole. I'm like, that is like, this is going to be my favorite part of the episode. I, I prefer, I need to start telling people I prefer rambles and rabbit holes. Cause that's really when the channeling comes out. Like you, like everyone, when they go down a rabbit hole, they say that just most divine intelligent, like out of this world, amazing stuff. Um, but yeah, Pris, thank you so much for that. And that like this program, you tie, it's so crazy how each one of the four guides we have in this program ties it together by what their expertise is, but everyone is centered around like, what does the individual need? There is no one that's like, okay, here's my, like Ludmilla, for example, she does the quantum table readings, uh, like this very spiritual practice. That's kind of like, Um, it's not like Reiki, but it works kind of like that, like transmuting energy. It's a Brazilian practice. She's Brazilian. And uh, she does the same physical movements with every client, but the results are individualized so much so that she, she will not, Ludmilla will not go up in front of an audience and say, oh, this could be your problem. This could be, because she's like, no, no, no. It's different for everybody. I'm not even going to say, I'm not even going to entertain the idea that two people could be the same and have the same thing. Uh, Her job is not to connect people in that way. Her job is to tell people what the table said about them individually. And she stays very, very integral with that. Um, There's a lot of, there's just a lot of integrity here, but Priscilla, what, what your zone of geniuses is yeah like the physical side of things but how how deep can we get with the exercise how deep can we get with the physical stuff and it's not even a it's not even an effort to be deep you're just seeing people really well and you're hearing people really well and you're creating a comfortable space now if i was on this podcast episode with someone that i wasn't comfortable with who wasn't creating a comfortable space energetically Do you think I would have, yeah, I'm an open person, but do you think I would have gone on a story about how these past two months were really hard for me and blah, 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 depression, that, that? No, I wouldn't have, right? Yeah. 
And I still can be really reserved with, I can be definitely reserved with what I experience because I'm, I'm, I'm still relatively new to feeling my feelings and at this degree, but Priscilla creates the, the comfortable space for us to be able to share what's on our mind. And we have a, an actual therapist side in the program to um, bring her own zone of genius. But when you are in the mix of having exercises created for you, Priscilla can really see you and see what kind of exercises you need, what kind of exercises you're ready for. Or maybe she's there to also give you the permission slip to say, give your body a fucking rest because that's what it wants. Um, So because of that, Priscilla, we we appreciate you so much. And the the program wouldn't be the same without you. And thank you so much for this episode. It was a killer episode. Um, I love it. I think it's so profound. Like, it's just, it's beautiful that, that you are in this industry of fitness and we need more of you. Thank you for being here with us today. We're so grateful for you. Thank you. You are the best and I appreciate you always. I hope you loved this episode. I have linked in the show notes all the points of contact that we mentioned in the episode. So check the show notes out for more details. And folks, if you did love this episode, subscribe to this podcast, leave a rating and review, share this podcast with your community. We need this information, folks. Right now, we need it. The world needs this education. So share it with your community so we can all learn from this. And don't forget that the waitlist for the True Potential program is open. So you can apply to be a part of this four-month program with four beautiful coaches. Just hit the link in the show notes below. You can also head to our Instagram at emilys.rootawakening. Hit the link in our bio to apply. And if you have any questions about the program, please do not hesitate to reach out. Just DM me on Instagram at emilys.rootawakening. I am Emily Kosick, founder and CEO of Root Awakening. Thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you for supporting us. I love you all so much. We love you. See you on the next episode.